Pilgrimage, Volume One, Pointed Roofs, Chapter One, by Dorothy Richardson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter One. Miriam left the gaslit hall and went slowly upstairs. The March twilight lay upon the landings, but the staircase was almost dark. The top landing was quite dark and silent. There was no one about. It would be quiet in her room. She could sit by the fire and be quiet and think things over until Eve and Harriet came back with the parcels. She would have time to think about the journey and decide what she was going to say to the Fräulein. Her new Saratoga trunk stood solid and gleaming in the firelight. Tomorrow it would be taken away and she would be gone. The room would be altogether Harriet's. It would never have its old look again. She evaded the thought and moved clumsily to the nearest window. The outline of the round bed and the shapes of the may-trees on either side of the bend of the drive were just visible. There was no escape for her thoughts in this direction. The sense of all she was leaving stirred uncontrollably as she stood looking down into the well-known garden. Out in the road beyond the invisible lime-trees came the rumble of wheels. The gate creaked and the wheels crunched up the drive, slurring and stopping under the dining-room window. It was the Thursday afternoon piano organ, the one that was always in tune. It was early today. She drew back from the window as the bass chords began thumping gently in the darkness. It was better that it should come now than later on at dinner-time. She could get over it alone up here. She went down the length of the room and knelt by the fireside with one hand on the mantel-shelf, so that she could get up noiselessly and be lighting the gas if anyone came in. The organ was playing the wearing of the green. It had begun that tune during the last term at school in the summer. It made her think of rounders in the hot school garden, singing classes in the large green room, all the class shouting, gather roses while ye may, hot afternoons in the shady north room, the sound of turning pages, the hum of the garden beyond the sun-blinds, meetings in the sixth-form study. Lilla, with her black hair and the specks of bright amber in the brown of her eyes, talking about free will. She stirred the fire. The windows were quite dark. The flames shot up and shadows darted. That summer, which still seemed near to her, was going to fade and desert her, leaving nothing behind. Tomorrow it would belong to a world which would go on without her, taking no heed. There would still be blissful days, but she would not be in them. There would be no more silent, sunny mornings with all the day ahead and nothing to do, and no end anywhere to anything. No more sitting at the open window in the dining-room, reading Lecky and Darwin and bound contemporary reviews, with roses waiting in the garden to be worn in the afternoon, and Eve and Harriet somewhere about, washing blouses or copying waltzes from the library packet. No more Harriet looking in at the end of the morning, rushing her off to the new grand piano to play the Mikado and the Holy Family duets. The tennis club would go on, but she would not be there. It would begin in May. Again there would be a white twinkling figure coming quickly along the pathway between the rows of hollyhocks every Saturday afternoon. Why had he come to tea every Sunday, never missing a single Sunday, all the winter? Why did he say, play, abide with me? Play, abide with me yesterday if he didn't care? What was the good of being so quiet and saying nothing? Why didn't he say, don't go, or when are you coming back? Eve said he looked perfectly miserable. 
there was nothing to look forward to now but governessing and old age perhaps miss gilkes was right get rid of men and muddles and have things just ordinary and be happy make up your mind to be happy you can be perfectly happy without anyone to think about wearing that large cameo brooch long white flat-fingered hands and that quiet little laugh the piano organ had reached its last tune in the midst of the final flourish of notes the door flew open miriam got quickly to her feet and felt for matches section two harriet came in waggling a thin brown paper parcel did you hear the intermezzo what a dim religious we got your old collars miriam took the parcel and subsided onto the hearthrug looking with a new curiosity at harriet's little round firelit face smiling tightly beneath the rim of her hard felt hat and the bright silk bow beneath her chin a footstep sounded on the landing and there was a gentle tap on the open door oh come in eve bring some matches are the collars piquet harry no they hadn't got piquet but they're the plain shape you like you may thank us they didn't send you things with little rujabiba frills eve came slenderly down the room and miriam saw with relief that her outdoor things were off as the gas flared up she drew comfort from her scarlet serge dress and the soft crimson cheek and white brow of the profile raised towards the flaring jet what are things like downstairs she said staring into the fire i don't know said eve she sighed thoughtfully and sank into a carpet chair under the gas bracket miriam glanced at her troubled eyes pater's only just come in i think things are pretty rotten declared harriet from the hearth-rug isn't it ghastly for all of us miriam felt treacherously outspoken it was a relief to be going away she knew that this sense of relief made her able to speak it's never knowing that's so awful perhaps he'll get some more money presently and things'll go on again fancy mother having it always ever since we were babies don't mim all right i won't tell you the words he said how he put it about the difficulty of getting the money for my things don't mim miriam's mind went back to the phrase and her mother's agonized face she felt utterly desolate in the warm room i wish i'd got brains chirped harriet poking the fire with the toe of her boot so you have more than me oh really you know i know girls that things are as absolutely ghastly this time as they can possibly be and that something must be done but you know it's perfectly fearful to face that old school when it comes to the point oh, my dear it'll be lovely said eve all new and jolly and think how you will enjoy those lectures you'll simply love them it's all very well to say that you know you'd feel ill with fright it'll be all right for you once you're there miriam stared into the fire and began to murmur shamefacedly no more all-day bezique no more days in the west end no more matinees no more exhibitions no more a b c t's no more insane times no more anything what about holidays you'll enjoy them all the more i shall be staid and governessy you mustn't you must be frivolous two deeply burrowing dimples fastened the clean skin tightly over the bulge of miriam's smile and marry a german professor she intoned blithely don't don't for goodney say that before mother miriam do you mean she minds me going my dear why did eve use her cross voice stupid for goodness sake not for goodney silly of eve to talk slang all right i won't 
won't marry a german professor or won't tell mother do you mean Ooh, crumbs my old cake in the oven harriet hopped to the door funny harriet taking to cookery it doesn't seem a bit like her she'll have to do something so shall i i suppose seems awful we shall simply have to it's awful said miriam shivering poor old girl i expect you feel horrid because you're tired with all the packing and excitement oh well anyhow it's simply ghastly you'll feel better to-morrow do you think i shall yes you're so strong said eve flushing and examining her nails how do you mean oh all sorts of ways what way oh well you arranging all this i mean answering the advertisement and settling it all oh well you know you back me up oh yes but other things what oh i was thinking about you having no religion oh well you must have such splendid principles to keep you straight said eve and cleared her throat i mean you must have such a lot in you me yes of course i don't know where it comes in what have i done oh well it isn't so much what you've done you have such a good time everybody admires you and all that you know what i mean you're so clever you're always in the right that's just what everybody hates well my dear i wish i had your mind you needn't said miriam you're all right you'll come out all right you're one of those strong-minded people who have to go through a period of doubt but my dear said miriam grateful and proud i feel such a humbug you know when i wrote that letter to the frulein i said i was a member of the church i know what it will be i shall have to take the english girls to church oh well you won't mind that it will make me simply ill i could never describe it to you said miriam with her face aglow what it is to me to hear some silly man drone away with an undistributed middle term they're not all like that oh well then it will be ignoratio elenchi or argumentum ad hominem oh yes but they're not the service the service i can't make head or tail of think of the athanasian yes eve stirred uneasily and began to execute a gentle scale with her tiny tightly knit blue and white hand upon her knee it'll be ghastly continued miriam not having anyone to pour out to i've told you such a lot these last few days yes hasn't it been funny i seem to know you all at once so much better well don't you think i'm perfectly hateful no i admire you more than ever i think you're simply splendid then you simply don't know me yes i do and you'll be able to write to me eve easily weeping hugged her and whispered you mustn't i can't see you break down don't 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 we can't be blue your last night think of nice things there will be nice things again there will 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 miriam pursed her lips to a tight bunch and sat twisting her long thickish fingers eve stood up in her tears her smile and the curves of her mouth were unchanged by her weeping and the crimson had spread and deepened a little in the long oval of her face miriam watched the changing crimson her eyes went to and fro between it and the neatly pinned masses of brown hair i'm going to get some hot water said eve and we'll make ourselves glorious miriam watched her as she went down the long room the great oval of dark hair the narrow neck the narrow back tight plump little hands hanging in profile white with a purple pad near the wrist section three when miriam woke the next morning she lay still with closed eyes 
she had dreamed that she had been standing in a room in the german school and the staff had crowded round her looking at her they had dreadful eyes eyes like the eyes of hostesses she remembered eyes she had seen in trains and buses eyes from the old school they came and stood and looked at her and saw her as she was without courage without funds or good clothes or beauty without charm or interest without even the skill to play a part they looked at her with loathing board and lodging privileged to attend master's lectures and laundry body linen only that was all she had thought of and clutched at all along since first she read the frulein's letter her keep and the chance of learning and germany germany das deutsche vaterland germany all woods and mountains and tenderness hermann and dorothea in the dusk of a happy village and it would really be those women expecting things of her they would be so affable at first she had been through it a million times all her life all eternity they would smile those hateful women's smiles smirks self-satisfied smiles as if everybody were agreed about everything she loathed women they always smiled all the teachers had at school all the girls but lilla eve did maddeningly sometimes mother it was the only funny horrid thing about her harriet didn't harriet laughed she was strong and hard somehow pater knew how hateful all the world of women were and despised them he never included her with them or only sometimes when she pretended or he didn't understand someone was saying hi a gurgling muffled shout a long way off she opened her eyes it was bright morning she saw the twist of harriet's body lying across the edge of the bed with a gasp she flung herself over her own side harry old harry jolly old harry had remembered the grand ceremonial in a moment her own head hung her long hair flinging back onto the floor her eyes gazing across the bed at the reversed snub of harriet's face it was flushed in the midst of the wiry hair which stuck out all round it but did not reach the floor hi they gurgled solemnly hi hi shaking their heads from side to side then their four frilled hands came down and they flumped out of the high bed they performed an uproarious toilette it seemed so safe up there in the bright bare room miriam's luggage had been removed it was away somewhere in the house far away and unreal and unfelt as her parents somewhere downstairs and the servants away in the basement getting breakfast and sarah and eve always incredible getting quietly up in the next room nothing was real but getting up with old harriet in this old room she revelled in harriet's delicate buffoonery voluntary incongruity she quoted to herself as she watched her the titles of some of the books on harriet's shelf ungava a tale of the north grimm's fairy tales john halifax swiss family robinson made her laugh the curtain recesses of the long room stretched away into space she went about dimpling and responding singing and masquerading as her large hands did their work she intoned the titles on her own shelf as a response to the quiet swearing and jesting accompanying harriet's occupations the voyage of the bee eagle she sang scott's poetical works villette longfellow holy bible with apocrypha egmont binks squealed harriet daintily yank grink binks books she responded in a low tone flushed as she had given harriet an affectionate hug my rotten books she would come back and read all her books more carefully she had packed some she could not remember which and why binks she said 
and it was quite easy for them to crowd together at the little dressing-table harriet was standing in her little faded red moirette petticoat and a blue flannelette dressing-jacket brushing her wiry hair miriam reflected that she need no longer hate her for the set of her clothes round her hips she caught sight of her own faded jersey and stiff shapeless black petticoat in the mirror harriet's hindas lay on the dressing-table her own still lifted the skin of her forehead in suffused puckerings against the shank of each pin unperceived she eyed the tiny stiff plate of hair which stuck out almost horizontally from the nape of harriet's neck and watched her combing out the tightly curled fringe standing stubbly out along her forehead and extending like a thick-set hedge midway across the crown of her head where it stopped abruptly against the sleekly brushed longer strands which strained over her pole and disappeared into the plate your old wool'll be just right in germany remarked harriet hm you ought to do it in basket plates like sarah i wish i could i can't think how she does it i expect it's easy enough hm but you're all right anyhow anyhow it's no good bothering when you're plain you're not plain miriam looked sharply round go on gooby you're not you don't know granny said you'll be a bonny woman and sarah thinks you've got the best shaped face and the best complexion of any of us and cook was simply crying her eyes out last night and said you were the light of the house with your happy pretty face and mother said you're much too attractive to go about alone and that's partly why pater's going with you to hanover silly you're not plain she gasped miriam's amazement silenced her she stood back from the mirror she could not look into it until harriet had gone the phrases she had just heard rang in her head without meaning but she knew she would remember all of them she went on doing her hair with downcast eyes she had seen harriet vividly and had longed to crush her in her arms and kiss her little round cheeks and the snub of her nose then she wanted her to be gone presently harriet took up a brooch and skated down the room tararala iti she carolled don't be long and disappeared i'm pretty murmured miriam planting herself in front of the dressing-table i'm pretty they like me they like me why didn't i know she did not look into the mirror they all like me me the sound of the breakfast-bell came clanging up through the house she hurried to her side of the curtain recess hanging there were her old red stockinette jersey and her blue skirt never again just once more she could change afterwards her brown heavy best dress with puffed and gauged sleeves and thick gauged and gathered bone bodice was in her hand she hung it once more on its peg and quickly put on her old things the jersey was shiny with wear you darling old thing she muttered as her arms slipped down the sleeves the door of the next room opened quietly and she heard sarah and eve go decorously downstairs she waited until their footsteps had died away and then went very slowly down the first flight fastening her belt she stopped at the landing window tucking the frayed end of the petersham under the frame of the buckle they were all downstairs liking her she could not face them she was too excited and too shy she had never once thought of their feeling her going away saying good-bye to each one all minding and sorry even the servants she glanced fearfully out into the garden seeing nothing someone called up from the breakfast-room doorway mimmy how surprised mr bart had been 
when he discovered that they themselves never knew whose voice it was of all four of them unless you saw the person but yours is really richer it was cheek to say that mimmy suddenly she longed to be gone to have it all over and be gone she heard the cack-cack of harriet's wooden-heeled slippers across the tiled hall she glanced down the well of the staircase harriet was mightily swinging the bell scattering a little spray of notes at each end of her swing with a frightened face miriam crept back up the stairs violently slamming the bedroom door i'm a-comin i'm a-comin she shouted and ran downstairs End of chapter 1 recording by expatriate in bangor maine